Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. Pray for me. Extend your hands. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Aaron, for that lovely introduction. <laughs> Uh, the kids are not, are, are, I think you said adoptive. Is that what you said? Yes, adoptive. They are our foster babies, and we are loving them like our own right now. Whew, being a foster family is incredible. I encourage you all to look into that <laughs> world. Man, it's like the ultimate sacrifice, loving somebody else's kids. You know, it's easier to love your own, but then when you have to take other kids into your house as your own, it really shows you what's in you. It's, it's a powerful thing. I could go off on that. I'm just amazed at our family. I just am like, wow, this is our community. You know, I don't know, many of you might not know this, but Jesse and I started um, a group in our home, oh, maybe it was four years ago, five years ago now, and this is kind of how the church spring-loaded along with some other people in our lives out of our house. And just to look and think like, wow, like we have like speakers and cables and projectors and like people doing announcements and we're just people like we're just people we're just a family we're just a family that met in a house and loved Jesus but we got too big for our house and God put it on our hearts to do something in a building and I, I do you ever get, get to this place where we're like why do we do what are we doing like why do we do church why are we in this building why do we have to have a setup team like wouldn't it be easier to just go into a field like Jesus used to do and I think about like that must have been so easy. He just stood on this mountaintop and the people came as they wanted. And, but then you really think about it and you go, well, there's weather. There's not big open spaces anymore. You know, you start asking, but, I, but you start asking these questions like, why do we have to do all this work just to worship Jesus? Like, we should just worship in houses. And I get all that. Worshiping in houses is great. But what we felt that was lacking in the home group setting was complete family because there's restrictions on people with kids the meetings are at seven at night on a week you know it's just there were so many restrictions with um space and and like I said child care and children and then also the the component of serving each other there's a lot of receiving in a home group and receiving but there was an aspect of being a bigger organization that had the finances to launch other people, to sow into ministries, to get our hands in the community in a bigger way than just our house group could do. And so that was one of the reasons why he told us to start a church in a building like this, even though we never dreamed that we would ever be here. So um, that's a little bit of history on, on us and just the background. And Jesse, I don't know, where, where's my husband? He left. No, he had to go to... <laughs> He's like, peace, you're preaching. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Uh, he had to go to, <laughs> that's how we do it, you know, just throw each other out there. <laughs> Got to learn somehow. Um, that's sometimes what it feels like though. Like you get up there now, we're family, let's do this. But no, he had to go, um, he had to go to Las Vegas for a meeting um, with some powerful people. You can pray for him. It's going to be really good. Um, but I just love seeing our family getting up here and just being the body and, and the groups that are starting. And, and, and I hope that you all feel find a place that you feel like you can connect. I know that's just like this buzzword, like connection, family, like get plugged in. Like sometimes that kind of makes me cringe, the word get plugged in, but (laughs) 
plug your, what, what does that even mean? Um, <laughs> but we all know that we have a desire for connection. We were wired for intimacy. We were wired for intimacy with the king and intimacy with each other. And there's obviously levels of intimacy with each other, of course. Um, but we live in such like a, a busy, fast world where the attention for our connection with people is just getting stolen from constantly. And so that's why we encourage people like, Start with a setup team. There's so much life that happens here before church begins where you can actually talk and how's your brother and how's your family? That's where we really get to know people in those kinds of settings because sitting in a chair receiving, you don't really always get the kind of conversation or maybe you don't even ever really feel seen the way that you want to feel seen. And so that's one of the reasons why we encourage people. Um, I'm totally, I don't even know, I'm like tangenting all over the place, but God is just like, ah, he's so good. I just, I just love seeing the family coming together and being the body and, and um, seeing people reach out and, and connect, you know? And so I just want to encourage you, don't be shy if you need connection. We all need connection. We're all lonely in some capacity. We all, we all have that, that ache in our heart you know, that, that is met by God, of course, and also by each other and family. So you're not alone. The, the feelings that you have are not, you're, you're not the only one, you know? And even like with, <laughs> here I go, even with like pain and grieving, right? I think it's, it becomes such an isolating thing um, because we feel like we're the only one that can walk through this, this pain or this burden because there is some truth to that. We're the ones experiencing it. No other person can feel exactly what we're feeling, but yet pain is a common human emotion that all of us in some capacity have experienced. And I found that that's something that um, we don't really know how to be there or hold each other in those spaces because it's scary and it's messy and it's vulnerable and it might not feel safe to share or let people into those places. All that to say... (laughs) um, if you feel alone, you know, in your life or your walk, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody. If it's in this community, that's awesome. You know, hey, I, I'm actually walking through this really hard time right now, and I feel really alone. Like, that can be scary for some people. But don't be afraid to reach out because we are here. That, I mean, that's why we meet. Like, go, going back to why we meet, like, why are we gathering here for love? We're gathering here because God loved us first, and we want to be love for people. We want to connect with people so that people can be set free to go and love other people. But we can't be set free if we're walking like this, just holding on to our stuff and hoping that we get free someday, you know? We have to let it out. We have to connect. We have to reach out to each other. So... Yeah, God's just been really speaking to me lately about um, connection and vulnerability and levels of vulnerability with people, um, and who are our, you know who are who are our real friends and how do I do friendship? It's just really been stirring me up. Um, but what I really want to talk about today um, is love, and it's funny that Aaron went off on Song of Solomon because that's actually what God was highlighting to me um, to preach about today, and. Um, just even some of the songs that we sang. Isn't it fun when God does that? You're like, yes, like, we're on the same wavelength. I hear God's voice. It's so good. He's so much fun. Um, and the foundation of all this is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. 
And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. And that is the foundation of all of this. If it doesn't come back to love, what are we doing? You know, why are we here? I want to always be building on that foundation of it has to be love. It has to be love. So how do we receive God's love? How do we, because we can't love him if we can't receive, and we can't love others if we can't receive. There's a two-way thing happening. And that's where Song of Solomon comes into place. Because he says some really beautiful things about us, his bride. There's that analogy about us as his bride, and it's a wedding. I remember the song that I used to listen to. There was a line that I was like, oh, that makes it so easy. I forget, I forget um, who sings it, but it goes, there's going to be you. I won't sing it. <laughs> it goes, there's going to be a wedding. It's the reason that I'm living to marry the lamb. And just that thought in your head, like, there's a wedding at the end of all of this. Like, this life is a blink. It's a blink. All our worries, all our troubles, all the things that we think are so important, it's a blink. And the whole point is a wedding, is to fall in love. And so how horrible would it be if we get to the altar and we're like, I don't really know who I'm marrying. You know? Like, I don't really know who I'm marrying, and that's scary. And, and obviously, there's a lot of grace. God is a God of grace, so this is definitely not a, a shame. If you ever feel shame during any part of my message, feel free to just kick it out, okay? Because <laughs> um, that's not God. He doesn't shame us or condemn us. We might feel a conviction like, ooh, I want that, you know? Um, and that's the place that actually causes us to act. Because if we're living under punishment— we won't be free to actually love. We'll do it out of duty. But if we're doing it out of a conviction longing, like, yeah, I do want that, God. Not a shameful thing. We'll actually act in love. Um, I learn a lot from parenting in that way. Like, if I try to punish my kids, there's like a hard wall that goes up. Have you ever seen that in kids? Like, you sit in the... And then when you go to talk to them, they're like, yes, yes, I for- I'm sorry. And I'm like, really? Were you really sorry? Because... Uh, didn't feel like it. I don't believe you, you know? Um, it's because I was acting in punishment. But when I come in love, the opposite of what I want to do when my children are acting out, and I put my arm around them, and I say, man, what's going on? You're really hurting right now, aren't you? Why don't you come over here? And sometimes they resist me at first. But when they sit down with me, and I just sit and take the time to be with them, they finally open up about what's going on. And then when they actually say sorry to each other, I actually believe them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you actually are sorry because you feel love, not forced because you're punished. God is not a God of punishment. Um, yeah, boom. <laughs> uh, I love this verse um, in Psalm 131, verses 1 through 2. It says, I do not concern myself with great matters too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child at its mother. I am content. And I was thinking about this. Concerning ourselves to, I do not concern myself with matters too wonderful for me. Like let all the busy, all the noise. There's so much noise in our world right now. So much, right? 
There's instant access to all the noise at your fingertips. Any noise you want, you can pick your noise. It's right here. <laughs> you can pick it and be distracted and get concerned with matters. Um, or you can calm and quiet your spirit to receive love, to be as content as a weaned child. And I was wondering, like, why a weaned child, meaning a child that is no longer nursing? It seems much more comfortable to be a child that is still nursing. You have no cares in the world. You just got mama. You got milk. You're good. Why does it talk about a weaned child? In the Hebrew culture, weaning usually didn't happen until closer to age three. I know people are like, oh, but uh, <laughs> all you nursing moms that nurse long, good on you. Um, and they actually celebrated. There was a, like a, a celebration that happened when the child was weaned. And yeah, there was, I know, a party. And um, a child being weaned, it was a symbol that you no longer love, you no longer want to be in mother's presence because she gave you something. Those were the more simpler things. Those were the, the more, the other scripture that talks about, you know, you start off with milk and then you move on to the more mature things in life. Well, as a child, you don't really know anything except for that. I'm really hungry and I need food now. And mama, mama equals food and she's giving me what I need. There's no really concept of true love when they're that young. But as you move on and you move on to, I just want to be in mom's presence because she brings me comfort, because she brings me peace, because she quiets me and I can be here in her presence. And the same with God. God is actually male and female, if I can even say that. It's not that he has gender, but he has both aspects of a male and a woman. We're made in his image. And so thinking of God almost like a mother. You know, we talk about God as a father all the time because he is our father. And there's that male strength. And there's also that tenderness that comes. And when we're like we're like a weaned child at its mother. We're content in him. That we don't have to come. We even sang a song. I don't have to come. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the times that I've come asking for something or for a blessing or because I felt like I needed something. And it's like, I just want to be with you because you're so good. You still me. You still that noise. And I, I can just be content. I, I, you, it's when you realize that what you're really hungry for when you're searching for something either here or somewhere out in the world, that what you really want is comfort, that you really want is to be known and seen. And in God's arms is that place where we are known and seen. Um, so I just wanted to, I want to encourage you as I'm speaking, begin to think about um, your own quiet life with the Lord and what does that look like and how, how do you want to change it or Maybe not change it. Maybe what gets you hungry for God? You know, I want to stir up a hunger in all of us to quiet ourselves, to quiet ourselves like a child in front of his mother and just being with God and letting him, letting him lavish his love on us, lavish his contentment on us because otherwise we're just going to go fast and hard and we're going to distract and we're going to keep moving from one thing to the other to the other and throw God in there, here and there, you know, and, and do good things and, and get to the wedding and be like, oh my gosh, I don't really know you like I thought I did. 
And we want to be people that know him intimately. And that only comes with time. And time is precious this day and age. People are fast. The world moves fast. Everything's at an instant. <laughs> In Mark 6, 31, it says, Come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. Jesus did this a lot. He went and rested, even in a time where there wasn't as, as much noise. You know, things were simpler. Sometimes I think like, oh, it'd be easier if I, it was simpler. You know, like maybe if we lived on a farm. You guys ever dreamed about living on a farm? <laughs> you know? like, some of you are like, you're crazy. I hate animals. <laughs> um, but for me, it's almost like that thing of simplicity. Like, it'd be so much easier if, you know, we got back to the good old days. And really, well, there's, were those good old days really that good? I don't know. It's really just that desire for simplicity and quieting that God has put in us to be still. And we can be still in this world. We don't need to be on a farm to be still. Yes, it's good to go away and find quiet and do retreats and things like that where you find space where your soul can breathe. I get outside a lot with my children because I, I find I hear God so much more clearly and I, the world it stops moving quite as fast and I can really just enjoy and be with him and commune with him. But then there's also those special times alone in your room with him where you can just be and just turn on the music and just get out your journal and just be like, all right, God, I'm heading to a wedding. Let's get to know each other because I really need you and I can't do this alone. And I need, I need to know who I am so that I can be fully alive for this world so that I can love the way that you want us to love. Because all of that quiet time leads to us loving others. You know, you don't have to do it for that, but that is the byproduct, is us being able to love the world the way that God wants us to love. I remember um, when I first got saved, um, so I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, I ran away from God because he wasn't real to me. And... uh, it was all just religion, you know, just church and sober bowling nights that I did not enjoy. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I didn't, uh, we're, we're made for, we're made for, uh, should I go there? <laughs> we're made for, I, I shared this with um, a Christian uh, school that I went to, and I said, you know what, guys, drinking is fun, and I could hear like a no, she didn't. You know, some of the moms like, oh, no, she didn't. I was like, but it's because we are created for that kind of ecstasy with the living king in a spiritual experience. The enemy takes what God created and he twists and perverts it because he steals and destroys. He is not creator. The enemy is not creator. God is creator. And he created those things in us. And the enemy takes what God has made and twists and perverts it so that it brings death instead of life. But the human body craves it because that is what we were made for. Encounters with a living king that bring this, this, this feelings of ecstasy. And it's not just about that. I'm not saying we have to have that to have an experience Um, there's so much more to God than that. But that is part of it. That is part of it is tangibly experience him in ways where you're just overwhelmed with joy, overwhelmed with laughter, overwhelmed with peace, overwhelmed with gratitude, that it's, it's him that we crave, not the worldly things that the enemy is, is tempting us with. Where was I going? 
<laughs> I don't even know. That is good. Oh yeah, I was kind of I was kind of sharing my story a little bit. Um. Yes. Yeah. I. Uh, so yeah, I ran away from God because He wasn't really as real as as I thought, and I thought I had my ticket into heaven, and and I would just you know come back to Him when I get this all wild stuff out of my system, because I had a plan, because I knew how to take charge of my life, like we all think we do, and um, when, when, when I um, came to the end of myself, um, through a series of, of uh, um, people just praying for me and speaking into me, and, and my parents are actually here, Jim and Patty, <laughs> them praying for me, and just... Um, yeah, just having people around my life that led me back to realizing, and obviously God pursuing me, because he's the pursuer, like Aaron read earlier in the Song of Solomon, that he relentlessly pursues us because he just wants us. He just wants us. He just wanted me that whole time. I just want you. I just want you. My darling, my son, I just want you. And he pursued me. And when I finally surrendered, it was um, 2003, April 2003, and I was in my dorm room, and I threw my hands in the air, and I said, God, take me back. <laughs> and I crumpled in a heap because I felt, I started weeping. I felt joy and, 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 and tears of gladness wash over me to such an extent that I thought, what the heck was I waiting for? Like, what the heck this moment? God, your tangible presence feels so good. I thought I knew what Christianity was about. I thought it was being a good girl and, and, and doing, you know, good things and not sinning and, and going to heaven. But it's so much more. It's a romance. It's about love. It's about a God who is redeeming his bride, who is coming back for a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish, that he is renewing us to be the ones that we were created to be in the garden. He's rescuing us. And it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> when I came back to the Lord, there was um, in times of intimacy that were so powerful. And there was a scripture that kept repeating. It was Psalm 17, 7. And it says, show me the wonder of your great love. Show me the wonder of your great love. And it's just that cry. You know, if you don't have, if you're struggling in your, in your intimacy with the Lord as we get busy, I know for me, like this season of my life is full on. I mean, I don't, I'm like, when do I have time? 5 a.m.? Well, I still want to work out. Well, how do I, you know, how do I, maybe I have to wake up at 4 a.m. Like, that doesn't feel good at all. I tried it. <laughs> I fell right to sleep. There's no way. So there's just not enough hours, God. Like, how do I, because I homeschool and I have, you know, are two olders and I have the two babies and it's, you know, all of us are busy, right? Like there's so many ways, there's so many excuses to not spend time with God. Um, but it's so important. And so there's little ways that we can practically help us get there. And if it's just a scripture, like show me the wonder of your great love, just something simple. Because that verse drew me into his presence. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a college student. I just gave my life back to the Lord. I, you know, I, I was living in a party house. I, I got my own house eventually, but um, 
it was just these simple scripture. I just would get into my room with, with a journal and just be like, okay, well, I have the word of God. Let's do this, God. Like, let's, and, and I, but I would do it with him, you know, because I had done it without him for so long. I knew all the verses, you know, I knew all the Bible stories. I grew up in church. Um, and I'm not negating my time in church. Like, I, I had radical times of the Lord then as well. So it wasn't all just religion. There was powerful moments as well. The enemy just robbed me. You know, he just, he just lied like he likes to do. And I just said, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> no more. God's way better. Um, just picking out a scripture, like reading through the psalm. Remember somebody told me, read through the psalms. I think it was Bill Johnson, actually. Um, we went to a ministry school up in Redding, California. The pastor's name was Bill Johnson. And he just would drop these bombs. And I'm like, ooh, that's good. He's like, when I'm having... I don't want to put words in his mouth. The thing that stood out to me was <laughs> something like, if I don't know what to do, I read through the Psalms until something hits my heart. And then I grab a hold of that with all my might. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I sit in it with the Lord and I sit in it and I quiet my soul. It's like that babe at his mother just quieting, just quieting, letting everything fall away. Show me the wonder of your great love. I don't know what that looks like, but I know I need your love, and I know I need your intimacy. Yeah, so that's one practical way to quiet ourselves like a child by its mother and just be content in his presence. Um, the other thing that I would do was I would put on music, um, soaking music, just like background music. For some reason, music, God is in the air. He's in the airwaves. He's in the frequencies. There's, there's power. I remember we had a, um, a quantum physics guy come speak at Bethel, and he talked about frequency and sound waves, and I was like, oh my gosh, like there is so much more to this music stuff than I thought. There's vibrations that match with our cells and our DNA, and the science behind it was like, holy moly, this is cool. So music is really powerful, not just because it sounds pretty and it makes you feel good. Like there's, there's actual things that are happening in our cells as we, as God's vibrations are vibrating with ours. I'll just leave it as simple as that. But it, it was crazy. There was, there, there was this, um, he had a drum, like a, like a, um, uh, what was it made out of? Like a rubber and he had some sand on it. And he played a frequency that was a, um, uh, a worship, worship in Israel frequency. And as it vibrated the sand on this drum, the sand particles would move into the symbol that represented Yahweh. <laughs> I was like, wait, excuse me? And he would demonstrate how the sand particles would vibrate with these different frequencies, worshiping. You know, the Bible says that all of creation cries out and worships. Even the rocks cry out. I've never heard a rock cry out, but they're crying out. They're doing something in the spirit. That's powerful. So music, worship, it's, it, there's, there's power happening in that. There's, there's seeding the atmosphere. There's angels that join us. There's a whole spiritual realm that we cannot see that gets invited in as we just open our hearts to him in those secret places. That the Bible talks about in Song of Solomon about the garden, you know, and creating that garden, and that garden is our heart. But there's also, God was showing me um, just secret places like in my bedroom or your car even. Like sometimes that's the only quiet, for me right now, my car is usually, if I don't, well, I have a lot of kids, but <laughs> there are times when my car is my only quiet place. And um, 
and it's just it it becomes almost like a like an altar, like a place of a, a secret garden for me to just be with him. Um, so it doesn't you don't have to do it like any other person, but I but I encourage you, you're going to a wedding. <laughs> You're going to a wedding. Get to know the one you are marrying. Get to know the one you're spending eternity with. Because he's really good. He's really, really good. And spending time with him contents us. We are contented with him. It says in Psalms, he rescued me because he delighted in me. He delights in you. I remember that was such a a foreign notion to me when I first got saved. Like, wait, what? He delights in me? Well, maybe when I'm not being bad, he delights in me. No, he delights in you even in that. He's delighting in you because he sees way past that. He delights in you. It also says in Psalm 36, 8, drink from the rivers of my delights. There's so many, there's so many scriptures like this that sound like, that almost sound otherworldly, like drink from the river of my delight. Like, are you sure, God? I don't, what does that even mean? I don't even know. It sounds really good. I want that. I want the river of delight. <laughs> that sounds really fun. Um, it just draws us into more, right? Like there's so much more to God's intimacy and love. That could even be something like, God, what does that even mean? Drink from the river of your delights. What are your delights, God? Just camp out. Just camp out in scripture. Just camp out on things that he's speaking to you. <laughs> he's gone. He's in, his river. he's in the river. He's in the river. Get in the river. <laughs> he's more delightful than wine. That's in Song of Solomon 1. Why would he compare his presence to wine? (laughs) Because, oh, he's so good. He's so good. He's so good. And if you saw, um, Tim, oh my gosh. If you ever see people in our community on the floor, um, Anything like that. They're just delighting in the river. (laughs) They're just delighting in his river. And there's times where that's meant for our own rooms. Um, But there's times where it's a safe place to just get in the river. Get in the river. Like Aaron said, like, oh, it's flowing up here. There's, I don't know what it is. I don't know why sometimes moving physically to another space. I don't know if it's less distraction. I don't know if the frequency is booming in your ears more. Some people don't like that. I get that. That's okay. But there's something about sometimes coming to the front. So that's always open for worship here in this community, just so you guys know. I know like we like to stay in our seats. But coming up to the front is totally okay. Dancing in the corner, totally okay. Just get God. Just, just get your heart fixed on him. Get in his presence. Don't wait for the message or your schedule to stay on, on track. Just get, get more of him. He is so good. I'm going to share a little bit of a little bit more of Song of Solomon because that those scriptures are just so good. It's like a little giggle session in the corner over there. I like it. God is good. He's really good. And he's really fun. He's really fun. 
He's really fun. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You are really good. <clears throat> yeah, Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, as it's sometimes called, is like, wait, what? That's in the Bible? What is happening here? Why is this in the Bible? Why would God put a love story like this in the Bible where it feels a little too intimate? You're like, we're talking about lovers, and you're making me uncomfortable with the way you're calling her your fawn and your dear. And <laughs> oh my gosh. And when I first started reading it, I was like, what? Wait, I don't know if I'm comfortable with this, God. This is a little too intimate. Um, and there's all kinds of interpretations of why the Song of Solomon is written. Um, poetry, there's a lot of symbolism that you can break down. But I have to under, I, you got, there's a lot to dig through, right? Like God wants us to seek understanding and to find wisdom. And at the same time, like what if we couldn't, what if we didn't have a concordance and all those things that would, dissertations that would tell us about Song of Solomon if we just had the word you know, that would still be for us. We wouldn't have to know, oh, this was an analogy for back then in the Hebrew time. Like, all that's great. But I want to be able to read this just to read it also. Like, we shouldn't have to have all those other things for it to be for us and for God to speak to us in intimate ways through the word. And I spent a whole season in the Song of Songs. And let me tell you, it was a powerful season of me on the floor because... He just wrecked me as he romanced me and wooed me. And I just began to understand what this was all about. It was all about him coming back for his bride, his beautiful bride, to live without blemish, without pain for eternity. He has taken me to the banquet hall and his banner over me is love. Come on. I am faint with love. I mean, all this expression, show me your face, he says. Let me hear your voice. I remember reading that, show me your face, in seasons where I felt like I, I came to him and I, w I had a little bit of shame in there. Like, oh, it's been a while since my last, <laughs> since my last confession. <laughs> you know, you have to hide your face behind that thing because <laughs> we're hiding in our shame. And that's not him. Like he called to them in the garden, where are you? He knew where they were, you know? It's been like that from the beginning. He never shunned them from the garden to punish them. You're not good enough to be here. No, he called to them. He clothed them. He knew they couldn't be in that place. They made a choice to be out of the garden. But instead of just being like, well, see ya, he clothed them with clothes that were prepared for that type of place. They just had fig leaves. They were going to survive out there in the wilderness. So he took animal skins. I can go into a whole symbolism of all that. But that, he's always been that way from the beginning. I remember thinking, reading the word, like, I don't understand. Like, he was kind of mean back then, but now he's good. And I don't get it. Like, he used to smite people and send fire. And, you know, he kicked them out of the garden. That was mean. And then he said they couldn't come back in. And when you read it through the story of a love, through the eyes of a love story of a lover, not punishing, there's natural consequences to choices. We're free. He's not going to force us. The whole thing's a love story. It's beautiful. But show me your face. Show me your face, says Papa. Show me your face. He says that to us. Just show me your face. And in those quiet places, just 
coming from this to this. You know, there's there's times where it's so holy and so reverent. It's like you can't you you can't even you're face down to the ground, and there's time for that too. But there's also time for show me your face, look straight into my eyes, and let me love you. You know, and if you've never been able to do that, I encourage you. You know, seek that out as well. It's a relationship. Ask why. Why can't I look at you? Or why? What is that? Why do I feel like I have to go like this all the time? There were seasons of that for me as well. And there still are. I'm just not like I <laughs> got it all together now. <laughs> well, yeah, it's new levels, right? New levels of responsibility and learning how to live in the world while still being in love. Um, I have come to my garden, my sister, my bride. He comes to us, to the secret place with us. Where's that other verse I wanted to read? I belong to my lover and his desire is for me. Like There's just so much language in this in this book, how beautiful you are, how pleasing, how beautiful and pleasing you are. That's how he talks to us, how beautiful and pleasing you are. Turn, and then even turn your eyes from me, they overwhelm me. It's like, oh, you're so, that, that's him talking to us. Like, we overwhelm God? What? We overwhelm God? He's so enthralled with us? That's incredible. I remember when I got these revelations of how much God loved me, I had the most incredible times of loving other people because I, I wasn't, what was me anymore? I wasn't like, oh, all my to-dos are all me, 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 me. And it, and it feels the opposite. It feels like, well, if I spend all this time with God, like it's all about me and him, then how am I supposed to go out? But that's the beauty of the kingdom is all that time with God sends us out naturally. We want to give. Our eyes are no longer on us because we know we're so content. It's like the child who's so secure in their, in their, in their the safety and, and in their identity that they don't have to cower behind mom and dad anymore. They're, they want to go out. They want to be free. They want to be themselves because they know that they're safe, that they're always protected, that they're seen, that they're known, that they're loved. They're not afraid they're not afraid to, to smile at people, to love people, because they're so safe. Yes, come on. God is really good. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. Place me like a seal on your heart. All these things, all this language is just so beautiful. Um, so one other thing is, uh, you know, as, as we're growing in our intimacy with, with God and and quieting ourselves and learning to quiet ourselves. Um, another key that I picked up was that heart of thankfulness and gratitude that sometimes I felt like, well, I, I go to my quiet place, but I just, I'm so distracted or I just, I don't know what to talk about with God or um, any of these. And, and thankfulness, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And I read, the, for the first time when I read it in the message, I was like, oh my gosh, I've heard that verse all my life and I never knew what it meant. Enter with the password, thank you. That it's not like, it's not like you have to say this password to get in, but it's like, this is going to get you in. Like this, you want me to give you a tool, sons and daughters, because I want you in here. Just try thank you and see what it does to your heart. Because our heart like calibrates and we're like, oh yeah, there's so much to be thankful for. I'm in your presence now because I'm thankful. 
And, and thankfulness is, is, is his presence. Not like, gosh, every, what's wrong? You know, all these things are wrong. But as soon as we just calibrate our hearts to thankfulness, and it was really sweet. I was, um, I was up this morning really early, and the house is all dark and quiet, and I was just hanging out with God. And, and then my daughter comes down. I'm like, it's too early, honey. But I just let her anyway, you know. I, I was like, okay, don't, don't shut her. It was about 6.15. She comes down. She sits with me. And she's like, what are you doing, mama? Are you, are you preparing for your, your sermon? And I was like, please don't call it a sermon. That sounds intimidating. Um, <laughs> um, I said, yeah, hun, you know, and you can sit with me or tell me if God, see, you know, shares anything. She's like, okay. And she's just like singing cookies, cookies, cookies. She's like making up a cookie song. I'm like, okay, this is not helping me. You know, <laughs> she's like being herself, being her free self. And um, <laughs> then she laid her head on me. I have to, um, I wrote down what she said because I don't want to say the words wrong, but it was so, it just like struck me. She said, mom. When we breathe, it sounds like thank you. And then she went on like cookies, and I like cookies. (laughs) She's like, can I sing you my cookie song? I'm like, sure, but can we go back to what you just said? Because that was like, (laughs) that was really profound. Okay, let me write this down. Um, And I was like, it does sound like thank you. (sighs) Thank you. Thank you that our very breath is worshiping, that our bodies are worshiping, even if our spirit isn't at times, because he created it. And just that simple, like, thank you for breath, like the thank you for breath, like, wow. I mean, we could go so basic with our thankfulness, you know? If you don't know where to start, just be like, I got fingernails. I don't even know what they're for, but these things are cool. Like, I can scratch, you know? I don't know. Just go real simple with your thankfulness, because... <laughs> I'm being silly, but thankfulness is so powerful, right? We enter right into that place where we're like, I am no longer like this. I am like this because I have so much and God has given so much. And now I can quiet myself. I can quiet all the noise and all the have tos. And I can be like a child in the storm, just like Jesus was in that storm. We, so we can be in the world. We don't, have to, we don't have to go behind closed doors to feel the stillness. But that is where the foundation takes place. Because now my life is so much crazier than it was when I was a single college student. I had all this time to just lie on the floor with Jesus and like maybe wake up and take a test or something. But you know, I was doing full-time ministry right after college and I just spent all this time, all this time, all this time with Jesus. And, and sometimes I grieve that I don't have that because we all go through different seasons where we have more and less time. Um, and I remember thinking, like, this is so hard. Like, even when I got married, I remember grieving, like, I, how do I have two husbands? You know, like, it felt like this weird transition for me, even in marriage. And we all go through transitions in life. Um, but I remember him speaking to me, like, that foundation that you built in that secret quiet place that is still in you. And that calmness and stillness, I I feel like I can grab it when I want it with God, when I when I shift my thinking to him, when I when I'm thankful, when I'm, you know, in the middle of changing diapers or driving in traffic, like it's there. He's there. That quietness is there because we've built foundations in the secret place when he's not looking. Because if our whole relationship was built on the go, you know, like with a best friend or a spouse, if our whole relationship was built 
on the go, it wouldn't be as deep or rich. But when we have those one-on-ones with our friends or those, those, those deep places with our spouses, those are the foundations that'll get us through when we feel really busy and we feel like we have to do life on the go, you know? So anyway, I just, I just felt really like it, the world is so noisy. We just gotta, we just gotta get back to those secret places with him because we're going to a wedding. There's gonna be a wedding whether we like it or not. There's gonna be a wedding. It's the reason that we're living to marry the lamb. And we get to do that every day, every moment of our lives. Amen. Um, I was going to have a little time for ministry time, but it's already 12. And I feel like we had some really good time with Aaron. Thank you. Where'd he go? He's with a baby probably. Um, Just ministering to our hearts. So I just want to encourage you, find that space where, where God speaks to you, where you hear him, where you can write down, you know, what he's saying. Because this walk is, that's what it's about is those times. So let me just pray for us. Um, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah, you're so good, God. You're so good. You delight in us. Your eyes are on us. You enjoy us. You have fun with us, God. You mourn with us. You hold us when, in our pain, God. You hold us when our hearts feel like they're literally going to break. You hold us in that, God to release that pain. And if that's you, if there's any pain in your heart, I encourage you to take that before the Lord because there's so much power in the release and the release of tears and being held. There's so much power in being held by him. And in the seasons of joy, God, where you're just running, we're just skipping, and we're just delighting in the river of your delights. We're so thankful, God, that you're a close God, that you want to be near us, that you're wildly pursuing us. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, ah. <laughs> don't stand up, don't stand up. embarrassing me. Um, If you need prayer, if anybody needs prayer, why don't the prayer team come on up? We have people that want to pray for you. Um, And and to just be the body. We we can pray for each other. You don't need to come to the front to get prayer. Um, But if you have specific needs, if you're feeling alone, like don't disconnect. Don't stay disconnected in this in this church. If you're in this church and you're here, like don't stay on the edges. Get involved. Get loved. Yes, amen. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.